get ready to worship together.
So I give you my heart. I walk before. 
invite the Holy Spirit to come. Holy Spirit, come. Let's invite him here. Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, come. Have your way. Holy Spirit, come. Meet us here tonight. Come on, let's raise your hands up. Lord Jesus, we praise you. Holy Spirit, come. Lord, meet us right where we are. Lord, we need you. We can't do this without you. We need your presence. We need your strength. We need your peace. Lord, give us wisdom in abundance. Lord, we need you to heal our hearts. Lord, we need you to open ways where there seems to be no way. But above all, Lord, we just want to be with you. So come be with us. Come be with us. Oh, Jesus. Oh, Jesus. Oh, Jesus.
Spirit, sing to him a new song. Wait before him, whatever's in your heart. We praise you, Jesus. We worship you, Jesus. Son of God. 
make it here on earth as it is in heaven. I just want to say that. He wants it to be like it is up there. Hallelujah. We'll go around and greet some of your family of faith this evening. We're so glad to have you here with us. Well, it is good to have you all tonight. All right, well, let's take up tithe and offering. If you have something to give, you can prep that. Offering envelopes are in the chairs in front of you, or if you don't have one, you can wave your hand around and somebody will help you out. Amen. I'm going to pray over tithe and offering. If you have something to give, you can bring it down. Lord, we thank you for the opportunity to come to your house, be in worship with you. And Lord, we just ask as we give tonight, it's another reassurance of your blessings, of your faithfulness, of, of simply who you are in our lives. You're always with us. You don't leave us. You never forsake us, Lord. And I pray it's evident as we live our lives every single day that who you are is so real to us. Lord, it's not cliche, it's not something we just say we believe, but there is a real, live relationship 
where you're showing yourself true. And we thank you for that in Jesus' name. And everybody says, amen. amen. If you have something to give, you may bring it down. Uh, a couple quick announcements, or a couple, I actually have more than a couple. Um, don't forget, youth, 5th to 12th grade, there's a roller skating night on March 27th. If you want details about that, please see Josh. He's going to handle that for us. Uh, next thing, I think we got Joy Fellowship this month. Is that correct, Bill and Patsy? Is that happening? The fourth Sunday, so the 27th. All right, so make sure you see them for details. It's 5 o'clock on the 27th. Uh, also, a um, couple new announcements. First off, uh, coming up at the beginning of the April, we are one year in this building. That's cool. So, amen, We're, we consider this a place of blessing. I had some people asking me about maybe we can do sort of a lunch after church on that day. So I said, yeah, we can do that. And at the same time, I had some other people kind of getting after me that they wanted to do like a chili cook-off or something, okay, apparently. So what we're going to do is we're just going to slam them together. So April the 3rd, right after church, we're going to do a carry-in chili cook-off. So if you want to make some chili, there'll be some contests for that. But more than that, it's, we're going to have fun and just hang out together. So that's April the 3rd, after church, plan on staying, bring some food, and we'll have a good time. Um, oh, also then... The first Wednesday in April, we have a guest speaker coming, all right? So I'm going to prep you about this. His name is Chris D'Amico, okay? And uh, I've had the privilege of, of uh, seeing him before. And he's actually kind of coming. He's got, I think, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, the Bacchus Church, Wednesday here, and Thursday he's going to Kenton. So he's kind of making a, a run through the uh, Only Believe campuses. Now, I'll tell you this. He, he's a ministry guy. And I'll just prep you and say this. Our normal Wednesday night, we get out a little after 8. It's going to be later with Chris, okay? So he's going he's gonna to share the word. He will probably end up praying for everybody here, maybe, okay? So just come prepared that night, and, and we will take an offering for him. He's an outside uh, of the general house of, of people we generally bring, so we will take an offering for him that night. So I encourage you to come out for that, and it's going to be a, a good night, again, a later night, but... I'm looking forward to some time in ministry with him. So that is the first Wednesday in April, which I think is April the 6th. And, of course, we have uh, coming up our Good Friday and Easter Sunday services in the middle of April. Now, I will say this. Our, our Easter Sunday will be a, a normal Easter service for us, and I, I believe that uh, Tish and whoever else, Mike, they're going to prepare a breakfast for us that morning. Amen. So if you want to come early and have a little food, that'll be good. But Good Friday, we're going to do something a little different this year. Generally, we have a service uh, where we come and, and spend a time like this together. We're going to do uh, what we're going to call a time of reflection. And it's going to be different. The church will be open from 6 to 8 p.m. that night. And you'll be able to come at any time during that time. And in the church, there will be different, we call them stations, where they'll have a time of reflection about something concerning the crucifixion of Jesus. You can spend as much time as you want at that station reflection and go to the next one. It's a wonderful time to have your kids with you and walk your kids through different aspects of the crucifixion. But it will be open from 6 to 8. There will be some worship happening during it. So uh, maybe a little more explanation as we come closer to it. I know it's a little different. But I want you to be able to have time in your time to come and spend as much time as you want in reflecting on Good Friday about the crucifixion of Jesus. Then we come back on Easter Sunday and celebrate his resurrection together. Amen? Sound good? 
So uh, announcement-wise, that's all I have, but don't forget, Saturday. What's happening Saturday? Time change. Remember, the time's following forward. So if you missed that, you missed church Sunday maybe, okay? So uh, be sure uh, that we're here uh, for that on Sunday morning. Other than that, that's all I got, so get your Bibles out. We're still in the book of Revelation tonight and next week. We've been shifting gears in the last couple of weeks. Last week we talked about the catching away of the church, what's called the rapture, that we will be transformed, amen, and the full redemption of who we are will happen as we are changed into the likeness of our Savior who is resurrected before us. He is the prototype of what is to come for us. Now, we're sort of kind of cycling into things that will happen at the end. So there will be a a resurrection, and we'll, we'll touch on that a little bit again tonight. There will be judgment. There will be judgment. Everybody knows that. Then there will all things be made new in its finality. So we're going to talk about judgment tonight, and next week we'll we'll talk about all things being made new. We're going to end up, we're not going to go there now, we're going to end up in Revelation chapter 20 at the great white throne judgment. Let's start in Hebrews chapter 9 and verse number 27. Hebrews 9, 27. And it says this, and just as it is appointed for a man to die once, and after that comes judgment. So Christ, having been offered once to bear the sins of many, will appear a second time, not to deal with sin, but to save those who are eagerly waiting for him. So everybody is appointed once to die. Why? The wages of sin is death. Death will not fully be conquered until the resurrection of the dead. But with the resurrection, after our death, or or, or Jesus could return while you're alive, but we're appointed to die because of sin. Everybody's appointed to die once, and everybody will face judgment before God. And when Jesus returns again, he's not coming to bear our sin again. He already did that. He died on the cross. That was a once-and-done sacrifice, no more need. Amen. Here's the fulfillment of the law and the prophets. It was continual sacrifice for sin. It was never the fulfillment. It never could fully do it. That's why they had to keep sacrificing over and over again. Jesus comes as the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, lived a sinless life, crucified, our sacrifice, raised from the dead. When he comes again, he's not coming again to bear sin, but he's coming again to bring into fulfillment of things, resurrection and judgment and all things being made new. So just understand this. Everybody's appointed to die once, and everybody's going to face judgment. Romans chapter 2. We're going to jump around a little bit again tonight, just lay a foundation what we're talking about. Romans chapter 2. And we're going to just look at verse number one. Romans 2, 1. Therefore, you have no excuse. Oh, man, every one of you who judges. So it's, in other words, talking about how we judge other people. For in passing judgment on another, you condemn yourself. Because you, the judge, practice the very same things. In other words, it's calling to account your own imperfections, yet we judge other people. 
But we know that the judgment of God rightly falls on those who practice such things. Do you suppose, O oh man, you who judge those who practice such things and yet do them yourself, that you will escape the judgment of God? Or you to presume that on the riches of his kindness and forbearance and patience, not knowing that God's kindness is meant to lead you to repentance. But because of your hard and impenitent heart, you are storing up wrath for yourself on the day of wrath when God's righteous judgment will be revealed. He will render to each one, watch this, he will render to each one according to his works. To those who by patience and well-doing seek for glory, honor, and immortality, he will give eternal life. But for those who are self-seeking, do not obey the truth, but obey unrighteousness, there will be what? Wrath and fury. So there's a warning. Be careful how you judge other people. But there's something here that each one of us will be judged for what we have done. Those who seek righteousness, eternal life, those who seek unrighteousness will find the wrath of God. Why is the wrath of God coming into the world? Because of sin. God is a just God who judges justly. That's a lot of just right there. He's a just God, and he's going to judge justly. In other words, he will do right. By the way, let me, just a little side note. Why should you not judge other people? Because you're not righteous as he is. You see what I'm saying? When, when, see, see I, I hear uh, a lot of people... They want to uh, find reason in the Bible to get after people and kind of be angry with them and whatever. And, and, and though you don't find that, they try to use things uh, as a way to get to it. So, well, Jesus flipped tables in the temple. Why can't I be that way? Well, why did he flip the tables? He was passing judgment on the temple that was fulfilled in 78. It was knocked down. You're not passing judgment on the table. Don't flip tables. Okay? Well, Jesus is going to come back. He's riding a white horse, and with him the armies of heaven, he's going to judge with, with the sword that comes out of his mouth. That's the just judge, which you are not. You can't use that as an excuse to act how you want now, okay? So God will judge in his justness each person for what they have done, some to eternal life and some to wrath. Colossians chapter 3. Let's keep jumping around here. Colossians chapter 3, verse 23. And we'll go down through verse 25. Verse 23, Colossians 3. Whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the the Lord Christ, for the wrongdoer will be paid back for the wrong he has done. There is no partiality. In other words, when judgment comes, God is impartial. God doesn't show favoritism. Each person will be judged according to their works. Here's another one, 1 Peter chapter 1. Keep jumping in here. 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse number 17. And if you call on him as father, who judges him impartially according to each one's deeds, conduct yourselves with fear 
throughout your time in exile, in other words, while we're waiting for him to come, knowing that you were ransomed from the futile ways of inherited from your forefathers, not, not with perishable things such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. So again, Jesus paid for this, shed his blood, to give you a way to stand before him in the future as the judge who judges us impartially, we can stand before him in righteousness because of the work of Christ. Amen. How about another one? Matthew chapter 16. Laying foundations here. And let's see, verse 27. For the Son of Man, Jesus, is going to come with his angels and in the glory of his Father. And then he will repay each person according to what he has done. Amen. So again, laying a foundation here. What you do means something. How you live means something. Now, if you jump into Matthew 25, you have three parables back to back to back. You got the parable of the ten virgins. Be ready. Because the bridegroom may come at any time, and you won't be left without oil in your lamp, running around trying to find some when he comes. They'll be shut out. So we are always prepared for the return of the Lord. But then it rose into the parable of the talents. Three guys each given talents. One was given this many, one was given this many, one was given this many. The first two did something with what they were given. The last one did nothing. The first two were welcomed into God's kingdom because they were active with what they had been given. The last one that did nothing with what he was given was shut out, cast out in the outer darkness. What you do means something. And, of course, the last parable was sheep and the goats, remember? What you do for the least of these, you do for him. And those who would not do for the least of these, as you would do unto him, they were judged and cast out. What you do means something. Now, now the thing about this is, is something I mentioned last week, and let me, let me go back to this. Go to Acts chapter 24 and verse number 15. This is one of three different places we could go. I'll, I'll, uh, well, let's go to Acts 24, and I'll tell you where the other two are. You can look at them later. Acts 24 and verse number 15. Kind of picking up mid-sentence here. Having a hope in God, which these men themselves accept. Now watch this. There will be a resurrection of both the just and the what? You know the resurrection is not just for the just. But all people will be resurrected. Is there a difference in the bodily resurrection between the just and the unjust? It really doesn't say. But we do know that the unjust will be resurrected as much as the just will be. Because both will stand before God in judgment for what they have done because God does not show favoritism. Okay? Now, what people kind of get, maybe they have questions about is, are Christians judged even though they're saved? That's a big question. And the answer is yes. Yes. 
Okay, let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Second Corinthians chapter 5 and verse number 10. For, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each one may receive what is due for what he has done in the body, whether good or evil. So what are believers judged for? Now, believers are not judged for their salvation, right? But there appears to be a judgment for what we have done with what we have been given. Okay? Now, exactly how this plays out, Scripture isn't entirely clear. If you look at the parable of the talents, there seems to be degrees of reward, maybe. I don't know. But then you see another parable of, of the workers where the same that uh, were brought in received the same reward as that went before, the same pay. So uh, you see these kind of uh, maybe a tension in Scripture about this. But we know that faith without works is what? It's what? Faith brings a life bearing what? Fruit. You see, you're saved, so in essence you're prepared for the bridegroom to come back. Amen. But what are you doing with the talents you've been given? Now, now, in the parable, the talent is actually money. So it's not talking about your finances per se, but what is in your hand that you know is in your hand from him, and what are you doing with it? You see what I'm saying? Or the parable that comes after, the least of these. Are we paying attention to those in need? So we're waiting for his return. We're working with what is in our hand, what God has given us, but, but we're not in a way that we're, we're uh, dismissing or disregarding or looking the other way of people in need. There's a way of the kingdom that we're being called to live. So the believer stands before the judgment seat of Christ and will be judged for what he has done. You are not saved by your works. But faith without works ends up being what? Dead. There is a life that comes from your salvation. Those things don't save you. You're saved by God, a gift of God. You can't do it yourself. You can't earn it. But yet there is the fruit of the Christian life that should be growing because you're saved. And we will stand before God in judgment of those things. Amen. Now, that's a hard truth because it kind of says this. Well, I'm saved. Let me just... Let me just get out of here. Let me just coast through. I'll do my best not to sin. I just hope to make it. That's not the good attitude of a disciple of Jesus. What am I going to do now that I'm saved? You're not just saved from something. You're saved to something. That, 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 that to something is new life, abundant life. That, that shows up in how you live and how you act and how you respond and how you talk to people and how you treat people and all that, all that stuff. Amen. So we must, as, as Timothy was encouraged by Paul, watch your life, how you live, your doctrine, what you believe. Because if you do, you'll save both yourself and your hearers. And Timothy was a pastor. He was a proclaimer of the word. Let me just throw a little side note out here, by the way. You know, there is a category of, of believers that will be judged more strictly. 
according to the word? You know who they are? Those who teach. Me. I, unfortunately, I, I only realized this after I was in this for a little bit. I was like, whoa, wait, time out. That's not fair. <laughs> so don't, 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 don't be the kind of, don't long for what you're not called to. And don't, don't put yourself out there for what you're not called to. And a matter of fact, it says in Corinthians that, that the, the works of those who do things like this will be, will be tested by God. So, so there, there is judgment even after we are saved. That's an example. So what you do as a believer means something. Amen. And we, we have to remember this. So I don't think any of you would say, well, I, I prayed a prayer and confessed Jesus and asked him to forgive my sins. Now I can live however I want. Right? And then I, I just know he'll forgive me, so I'll just keep asking for forgiveness. When I know I'm going to do something, I just know he'll forgive me on the other side. Right? You, you know, you would say, that's not right. Why? Because there, there's something inherent in this that knows we'll be judged for what we have done. You can't just do what you want just because you categorize yourself as a believer. There is a life to live. Watch your life and watch your doctrine closely. Because if you do, it will save you. All right? So you will stand before the judgment seat of Christ as a believer and be judged not for salvation. I'm not worried about being cast out, but my works will stand before him. Now, part of it is, I, I believe part of it is there is a final righteousness or final salvation in that moment too. It's not a necessarily a scary thing, okay? You will be judged for what you, what you have done. But there's a final salvation, put the stamp on it, boom, this, this is the deal right here. You know, it, it's done, okay? And that's part of the judgment of a believer because we stand before him in our forgiveness, do we not? And we stand in what the blood of Jesus did for us, do we not? And we stand before him, though imperfect, righteous, amen? But the fruit of our life will be looked at. And however that's meted out, whatever exactly that means, it's not entirely clear. But just understand, you will stand before the judgment seat of Christ. Now, Revelation chapter 20. We're getting into the, what would be the, the finality of the book of Revelation, this great scene of judgment. Revelation chapter 20. Uh, let's see, let's, let's go... Um, Start in verse number 7. And when the thousand years are ended, and this is after uh, this, this millennial reign of Christ and, and different aspects that we see in the book of Revelation, Satan will be released from his prison and will come out to deceive the nations out of the four corners of the earth, Gog and Magog, to gather them for battle. Their number is like the sand of the sea. And they marched up over the broad plain of the earth and surrounded the camp of the saints and, and, and the beloved city. But fire came down from heaven and consumed them. And the devil, the, the Satan, the dragon, who had deceived them, was thrown into the lake of fire and sulfur where the, where the beast and the false prophet were. And they were tormented day and night forever and ever. Understand that the work of evil and the authors of it will be judged. Amen. You mark it down, 
Put it, put it in, in, your, in your mind so when you are facing adversity, you're facing temptation, you're facing the works of the enemy, it has been judged at the cross, and it will finally be judged when they are thrown into the lake of fire, which is eternal separation. There's judgment coming for the enemy. Amen. See, judgment is not just about paying people back for something. Judgment is ultimate vindication of God, the work of Christ, and the people of God. It's vindication for what we have believed and stood firm in. Remember the book of Revelation. Uh, to him who conquers, right? We're encouraged to stand firm. Why? Because vindication is coming in final judgment. The devil is going to have his day. He knows it, by the way. He had it. He, the, the, the powers that be thought at the cross of Christ they had proved themselves victorious. Then on Sunday, they found something else out. And ever since Jesus came out of the tomb, and again, new creation walked on the earth, the devil knew his time was up. And he's just right now, this entire time for the last 2,000 years, he's been living out the string waiting for this finality to come and happen. His days are numbered. Amen. That should give you hope. That, that the things that we see in this world, so, so if you look at the war that's happening, it's evil. People are dying. Innocents are dying. It is pure evil. Those things will not last. There's a finality of judgment on these kind of things. Amen. So when you, when you see the world and you're dismayed by the world and, and, and it concerns you and you don't know what to do, you pray, have hope, you call God down the situation, but always keeping in mind these things will be judged in finality. Amen. All right, let's keep going here. Verse 11. Then I saw a great white throne, and him who was seated on it. And from his presence, the earth and the sky fled away, and there was no place found for them. And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne, and books were opened. Then another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged by what was written in the books according to what they had done. And the sea gave up the dead who were in it, and death and Hades gave up the dead that were in them. And they were judged, each one of them, according to what they had done. Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. And this is the second death, the lake of fire. And if anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. We'll call it the second death. First death physically, second death, eternal separation from God. Now, Again, this, is, this right here is not sugar-coated Christianity. This, this is plain, it's raw, it's kind of straight in your face. There is a judgment to come that those who are not found in him, that they will be judged according to what, they're not judged like, like the Christian, not for their, uh, we're not judged for our salvation, for, for, for the fruit of our life. They are judged for not being in salvation, for, for denying him, for living a life without him. 
And, and the ultimate end of that judgment is the lake of fire, which is a place of judgment. What you do, it matters. Amen. It, these kind of things are the kind of things that, that if we believe this, it should drive you to a place of being the light of the world. Share the gospel. Because God will bring wrath because of sin. Not because he is the author of sin. We are. It is wrath for what we have done. But yet God in Jesus on the cross paid a way for us to out, by, by taking the sin of the world to the cross. He took the penalty of sin for us if we choose to believe in him and allow him to take that place for us. So we're not standing for God in a place where we're not in the Lamb's book of life, where we're facing judgment for what we have done, then cast into a judgment. And see, the thing about the thing about uh, the unjust being resurrected too, Jesus paid the penalty in a physical body on the cross. The reward of the, of the believers is an eternal reward of, of the fullness of life in a physical body. So it is with the unjust. Their judgment as being resurrected will also be in some form of a physical body. You see? So judgment is absolutely coming. Now, in a certain level, hell is already in our world. Just watch the news. Anytime that we're living in a separation from God, we are inching towards that kind of fullness of reality. Just as the kingdom has come now, but not fully, so the, the separation from God and judgment is already happening in certain ways, leading into a final judgment. Does that make sense? We, we see it. But the whole time, God is beckoning us, hey, come to me. Come to me. I want to make this right. I am the way to the Father. I will deal with this whole thing. If you wish, if you want, if you accept, if you receive, give me your life. I'll, I've already given, given my life for you. Give me your life. I've already made this trade if you want it. So you don't have to stand in a place where you're before God. You, your judgment's by yourself. You know that? You can't drag other people there and blame them for how you were. Well, this is, but it's really... This person's fault. God, so leave me out of this and take care of them. You know, Eve and Adam tried that whole business. It didn't work. God said to Adam, hey, he said it was the woman. The woman said it was the serpent, and he judged them all. You can't blame somebody else for, for your uh, place before God. You are there as an individual. That, that's why... The Christian life is big picture. We're into the body of Christ together, but yet still you have a personal relationship with him. Okay? You will stand before him as an individual and give account for what you have done. So what you do does matter. It should matter because of how you live, but also then what about those around me that don't know? They haven't heard. 
Who around me needs the light of Jesus to shine? Amen? Now, I will say this sort of a side point. The judgment seat of Christ and the great white throne judgment, there are some that believe that it's the same event. There are some that believe it's a separate event, depending on, again, how you see the book of Revelation. So if you hold to a dispensationalist timeline, so the church is, is, is caught up to him, like a, a pre-tribulation or mid, and at that moment it's the judgment seat of Christ, okay? Uh, and then later, after the millennium, all that stuff, then the great white throne judgment happens. Some believe it's all the same thing. Whatever, again, it's not a hill to die on. You can parse that out how you want. The big picture is this. Everybody is going to stand before him. And you will give an account for your life. So that's why it's so important to keep in step with the Spirit. That's why it's so important that when conviction hits your heart to listen to it. That's why it's important that when you do find yourself in a sin to be a person of repentance. I repent, Lord. Please change me. Change me. That's why it's important to live towards this new and abundant life with the, the help of the Holy Spirit as much as we can do. That we seek first his kingdom. Now, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. Do you know that we often think of that in a here and now context, but that's as much about eternity? You, you seek first the kingdom now, and all these things will be added unto you. It's a both now and not yet. That we live in a place where we are, are chasing this reward. I press on towards the goal, right? I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't stop. I don't jump off the course. I keep pressing on. After him, heavenward in my call, in him. Because this life is worth living unto him. This life means something. You wouldn't have it. If this life didn't mean anything, the moment you got saved, you'd be translated out of here, and that's it. You're here for a reason. Amen? So what are you doing with it? Big question. What is in your hand? What, what, what are the talents? I know, I know we talked about this, uh, I don't know how long ago it was, when we, we did the parable of the talents on a Sunday. What are the talents that are in your hand? Well, I know just by simple being aware of my life, I have a wife. What am I doing? Am, am, I, am I chasing what it means to be a godly husband? I have kids. What am I doing about that? Am I trying my best to parent in the wisdom of the Holy Spirit, raise them up in the ways of God? I have a job. I get paid money by somebody, believe it or not. Am, am I working my job as unto the Lord? I pastor, which happens to be my job. Am I doing it the best that I can with the help of the Holy Spirit in wisdom, in honor, in, 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 in helping? Am I serving? Right? All the things of my life that I'm aware of that I have are the talents in my hand. What am I doing with them? Am I just, yeah, whatever, not paying attention to them, living life how I want, disregarding them? Or am I holding them as something given to me by God for him in this life 
that I can be a light of the word. I can be an example of Christ's likeness, following him in these things that I have. That's the kind of stuff I'm going to stand before Jesus someday and give an account for the fruit of my life. See what I'm saying? Don't, don't make this difficult. Don't, don't overcomplicate it. What do you have? What do you got? My money. I got money. Am I a giver? Even after I tithe, I still got 90% left. Is that still honorable to God what I do with that 90%? You see what I mean? Am I doing my best to be a good steward? All these different things that, that I know I have, in, in, in total, am I doing things in a way that's pleasing to him and as unto him? That if he was walking with me, and he is, as I do these things, is it, is it okay? Am I doing this the way you want? Am I in the will of God? You see what I mean? That's how you start to pay attention of life. That's why you pray, Lord, I need your help. I can't do this without you. I need your wisdom. Lord, this is a tough situation. I need you right here. I can't do this alone. You constantly bring him in. You bring him in and you listen, I guarantee you're, you're in good shape. You're quick to correct wrongs. If I wrong my wife, I'm, I, I need to be quick to correct myself and change. It's my responsibility. Amen? All these different kind of things. Staying in step with the Spirit. So, in that, I want to have a respect of God. See, listen, I, I don't... I, I told you this before. Remember that song that I'm the friend of God? I told you this before. Remember that song that was uh, several years ago? I'm a friend of God. I, I hate that song. Okay? And that, it's okay. I am a friend of God, but God is not my buddy. He's not my hangout video game dude. I don't play video games, but you know what I'm saying. He's not the guy that I kick back and watch games with. He's with me. God is my friend. I am in a relationship with him. I talk to him as a friend, does to a friend. But he is still God who is going to judge me. Now I have a reverence of him in that. I'm not, I'm not fearful of him, but yet I have a reverence of him. I'm not fearful of judgment because I know I'm saved. But yet I live in a reverence that there is a way to live, and I must honor and pay attention. I'll tell, I'll tell you something. The guys that get together with me, watch ball games, whether I don't worship them, right? If they wrote a book, I might read it. Maybe not. Depends on what it's about. But I, but I read the Word of God. I don't apply their book to my life, but I chase this thing. You know what I'm saying? You see what I'm getting at? God, God is your friend. You speak to him face to face as a friend. He, he is in your life in a very personal, intimate way. But don't forget he's the creator God who judges. Keep this in balance. Because how you live. In other words, we get so buddy-buddy with God, we think it doesn't matter how I live. Oh, he'll just, he'll just be, that's okay, no big deal. Just do what you want. It's all right. You're my pal. We'll just kick back and watch a game together. It's all good. You will stand before the judgment seat, the throne of God and give an account for how you live. Amen? Okay. Maybe I ought to give an altar call. What do you think? After that one. How about this? At your seat. You say, just Lord, just forgive me of my sin. 
Lord, if I've wandered off the path, if I've got off track, if, I, if I've got distracted, if I've put my talents down and buried them, Lord, Lord, forgive me. Lord, I want to live every day in the light of who you are. So you, you take a personal moment with him for just a second to remind yourself of who he is. Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Praise you. Amen. So next week, all things made new. We'll talk about that. This, this story that started on Easter Sunday gets its full fulfillment. New heaven, new earth, all this different stuff. Judgment is good because it gets us to new creation. Because God, God in judgment finally roots out all the last remaining roots of evil, and he just, he just pulls it. He, he cleans it, and then all things new. Amen. There's our reward. All right, we'll see you Sunday morning. Be blessed as you go tonight. If you need prayer about anything, come on down. We'll pray with you before you go.